0: Welcome to Wake Forest University Department of Counseling Podcast. I'm Dr. Bob Nations, and with me is my colleague and co-host,
1: Dr. Shannon Warden. Bob, we've got one of our best friends here today. We do. This podcast features Dr. Erin Binkley. Hello. I love her. Yes. And, um, I want to introduce her like as the mother of Roscoe, but his really long name is Sir Roscoe
2: Ringelmann, <laughs> Sir Roscoe Ringelmann, yeah, Joseph Binkley the third Ringleman on his mother's side.
1: <laughs> I, love it. I love it. We're pet lovers around here, and Aaron top oh. among us, um, and so we love to talk about Roscoe and pets. <laughs> Bob, do you and Diane have any
0: pets? Uh, we do not at the moment. Yeah. We've always had pets, but uh, our little beau died about uh, two years ago, and Did we have just not replaced it.
1: Okay. Bow. Yeah. Rest his soul. Yeah.
0: And this is not about pet therapy topic not, or not, but it's just, just we're just kind of
1: welcoming Aaron into welcoming the podcast. Welcoming Aaron, and just
0: recognizing <laughs> our love and appreciation of Aaron and pets.
1: I know. Well, see, because there's pet lovers listening. That's right. right now. So, That's right. So it's a wide audience. Mm-hmm. Hey, Shannon, you've got a pet at home. I do. I do. Buster Brown. He's Buster a, Brown. He is. He's just, and he's like an old guy. He's so. We, we call it like we're his assisted living, really, is what we are, because he's like 100 <laughs> years old and so creaky and sweet. He's, oh, He's no. been a great boy, great little friend. But you're right, Bob. We're not talking about pets today. We could. We really we could, ought to schedule yeah. that, quite honestly. Well, we have, I think.
0: That may be a topic. Be yeah,
1: animal-assisted. We, you know, Cheyenne and other folks are interested in that. But anyway, so, um Aaron, you know, we, you've been with us before. We love being able to get together with y'all on the faculty and um, students. We've, we've interviewed a number of people now, but um, we love talking about Department of Counseling. We love talking about our, our programs. Um, folks who've listened before know that we've got the master's in mental health counseling and school counseling. And we have the, the two campuses. We've got the uh, bricks and mortar campus and we've got our online campus. What is mm-hmm. the appropriate bricks and mortar? Isn't that, that It is, is on campus, right? on bricks campus. and mortar. Yeah, mm-hmm. online. That's referred to. So anyway, we, we love talking about our programs. We love being able to talk to our faculty. Erin's coming today to talk to us a little bit about her one of her specialty areas, which is counseling with children. Mm-hmm. And she's going to, I think, uh, talk to us some about just applying clinical skills with young folks. Is um, Are we in your lane, here?
2: Yeah, you're in my lane. All right, cool. Hopefully I'm in yours, too.
1: Yeah, just right. If we're going with that middle, don't even get me started on metaphor, people, because you know what I just did in my head. I'm not even going to do it. I'm not doing it. Stop me. Okay. Um, Aaron. where do we start? You know, because I know um, you have been a school counselor, you're a professor in school. You, I mean, you teach in mental health as well. But um, I know that's a love of yours. And I know you've gone back in as well into private practice just recently. So mm-hmm. kind of give us an update. What's going on for you just currently?
2: Yeah, currently is just what you said. I'm teaching mm-hmm. here on campus and online in the school counseling program. I also teach some of the clinical skills courses. Um, So I think attention to adapting skills to work with children is pretty applicable to both of those areas. I'm also practicing here in town at an agency where I'm seeing um, mostly teens, mostly adolescents. And uh, that's its own skill set as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As anybody who's ever talked to an adolescent knows, they don't communicate quite the same way as adults. Mm -hmm. So it can be a little bit challenging sometimes to sit down with a younger client and expect them to just sit across from you for an hour and hold a conversation or Mm -hmm. even your eye contact, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, You never really know what you're going to get when you walk in with a younger client. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I'm teaching counseling children here on campus this semester. And... Um, less than half of the students in that class are school counselors. So the other half are people just interested in learning to work with children in other settings, whether that be agency, private practice, hospital settings, they're kind of across the board in their internships right now. And we've been talking a lot about how working with kids is not just about working in schools. And it's not necessarily about being in the counseling room with a child either you might be working with families who are um, encountering challenges around parenting or anything related to kids and so there's lots of different ways that you might work with children as a counselor and um, so it's just kind of fresh on my mind right now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: I know you mentioned just even being able to um, engage a teenager in counseling what are some of the ways you do that
2: well, <laughs> hmm. I just count the ways. You know, I find that's one of those questions that is funny because trying to engage a teenager, do you guys remember when we used to have mercury ther- thermometers? Mm-hmm. You'd break mm-hmm. one yes. and the mercury would run around the table and you'd try to get it pegged under your thumb and you can't. Like the harder you push, the faster it runs away from you. That's what it's like to try to engage a teenager in my personal experience. So... I find that some sideways methods work a little bit better with teenagers. So providing some alternate ways of communicating, whether that be art projects, sand tray, maybe a game or a puzzle. You know, with adults, we often talk about not wanting to have anything between us and our client physically because that could create a barrier. But often with a teenager, that's going to soften some of the anxiety, anxiety that they're feeling there. And so having Um, manipulatives, even things like stress balls or koosh balls, or, um, I mean, even just like a basketball or something that they can play with in the office that they can kind of sit and fidget with any of the fidget toys can be really helpful. Those might provide more of a space for a teenager to be, they can engage some of their anxiety through those fidget toys so that they're more available for communicating with you in words, but some teenagers and most younger children don't necessarily communicate with words. Younger kids, as we know, communicate best through play. And so having a playroom set up with some items that they can play with, um, I like art. So, I mean, I consider sand tray kind of to be an artistic medium, but also paints, crayons, markers, um, clay, Play Doh can be really helpful. Just anything that kids can get their hands in. They're, Really good at communicating their needs and their feelings, just not necessarily always through words. And with kids, that's because they don't really have the vocabulary. With um, older children, like teenagers, that's more because they don't want to. There's often some resistance there. And so just making a space available to children that makes them feel welcome, makes it, you know, create your space so that kids look at the space and think, this is a space for me. Not like they're trying to just blend into an adult space and like they should be conforming or trying to fit anybody else's rules. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Bob, you know, I think uh, parents may ask, well, are y'all doing anything? Because they, right, parents are typically thinking it's got to be taught. I just want him to talk to me. Just want them to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to take them to Dr. Binkley, and she will get them to talk to her. But now she's saying, right, hey, you got to engage this kid in, in more kid-friendly kinds of ways. It's a little yeah. bit different parent. Of course, parents probably can learn something from that as well. But um, Bob, I'm encouraged. Sounds mm-hmm. like toys toys for the win.
0: That's right. Creative That's right. for the win. Yeah. And th- that is a – I know I'm working with uh, families in the past, too, is there's an expectation that – the, the parents will bring in to have the children or the adolescents do something like you say to talk yeah. and there's an expectation. So part of what we do, I think, is to educate the parents about what's mm-hmm. to be expected, and mm-hmm. what we're doing, and working with our with their children as well.
1: Yeah, and really believing in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, because Erin, right? You're passionate. I like, see. I've got the benefit of seeing her face right now, <laughs> but you're hearing it in her voice. Hopefully, listener, that she's passionate about this. She's uh, kid minded. She's young person minded, and she uh, cares about that young person. How do, I, um, how do I invite this person? How do I get them to invite me into their world, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and so, yeah, absolutely, Bob. She's got to be able to sell that to the parent. Mm-hmm. And uh, then hopefully from that as well, pa- uh, modeling comes
2: uh, for the parents as well.
1: Well, what sort of pushback do you get from the kids? Yeah, Because you got good ideas, yeah, what are the walls? (laughs) Talk to us
2: about the walls. Oh, the walls are not hard to spot. Anybody that's ever sat in a counseling office with a kid feels the wall. (laughs) Um, Younger children, the walls might be a little different. Like, they just don't really know what to do when they come into a counseling office. Some children might feel anxious about not having guidelines if they're used to spaces where they have a lot of rules, like a classroom or at home if there's a lot of rules. Um, Older children, adolescents, it looks more like Silence. You know, I'm going to sit here. You can't make me talk. I'm not interested in you. And I can be as difficult as possible until you let me go home. I'm going to make you mad till you let me go home. (laughs) It's not like that every time, of course, thankfully. Um, I think the thing that I run into the most is just having to have a lot of patience. Anybody that's interested in working with children or adolescents, I would just tell them, come to the table with all the patience in the world. Nothing that that child is bringing to you is about you. And though it might feel like it if they're trying to close you out, um, just remember children don't have any power in their lives. They are told what to do everywhere they go. They have rules at home, rules at school. Um, They're pretty used to knowing that the world is run by adults. And so you being an adult is somebody that they're not necessarily going to trust right off the bat. And so they come – not knowing that the space is for them, probably a parent or teacher has referred them or told them they had to go. And so they're going to see you as somebody who's aligned with that person that quote unquote made them come to counseling. Most children and younger adolescents are not self-referred. This might look a little different in a school, but not necessarily. Just depends on the kid you're working with. So come to the table with patience. Be willing to take a lot of deep breaths. Be willing to get silly Um, I spend most of my sessions, most of my clients at this moment are younger adolescents and I spend most of my sessions on the floor with the furniture pushed back into the corners because that provides a space where they can lounge around, be themselves, get comfortable, play with the toys, whatever it is that they want to do. Where they're not expected to sit across from me and just make eye contact and talk to me for an hour.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and some, I was thinking too, some potential students or applicants are thinking about coming to uh, earn their master's in counseling and and maybe interested in working with children. How do you teach the students about skills or the qualities of working with that kind of resistance? Because you mentioned that's patience. Such a good question. And, yeah. So, so, how do you approach that as you teach? Well, students.
2: Uh, one of the things that I think we do really well here at Wake Forest is the students have developmental counseling theories before they would ever get into a space where mm-hmm. they would be working with children. Dr. Cashwell teaches that class, yeah. and it's a brilliant class. Yeah. So I think our students have some idea. That patience is required with children, and kind of those developmental milestones mm-hmm. to look for. So and that's
0: that, why we sequence the courses in certain yeah, ways. Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. Really plan.
1: Good. That's probably a good encouragement to someone who thinks, "Oh no, I'll never work with children." Mm-hmm. Oh wait, maybe I will, because you know, Aaron, like you said, uh, starting us off earlier uh, here was that there's so many opportunities for us to interact with children. And so that student may think, oh no, I never will. But in fact, right, their interest starts getting peaks and, um, then opportunities arise and, and that's, Obviously, Bob, as you're talking about there, we've thought about that, and it's mm-hmm. all designed developmentally to kind of meet that new student where they're at and open some doors. So um, I have to tell you, you know, we're talking about walls and resistance, um, so we're musical. We're, in fact, we goof off all the time around <laughs> music. But um, who's that? Was it Springsteen, When the Walls Come Tumbling? I can't stop. I better not sing. This will be a recorded <laughs> thing, and people will laugh. Well, they'll and they'll request I will get more therapy. songs in the podcast, you <laughs> What is it? Who, who sings that, When the Walls Come Tumbling Down? Come on, Bob. It's on your playlist. Is it? I don't. Uh, um, I no. Need to Google it. I'll Google while you talk to Erin. Go <laughs> ahead.
0: <laughs> or is there more in working with resistance or teaching students to work with resistance? Patience,
2: patience, patience, patience. And
0: they build upon what they've learned about in developmental class. Yes, so the of good. course. There yeah. are some other techniques as
2: well. Um, I think patience would be at the top of the list for me, though. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm thinking about. A client that I had last year who was 14. And you think, you know, with adult clients, we practice our skills here in the counseling department. And you might learn just kind of a rhythm of a counseling session or the counseling relationship over time that, you know, maybe two or three sessions in, you've got some rapport built, you can really start to do some goal setting and start to really dig in with challenges and some deeper work. With kids, this This teenager that I was working with, we got to session seven before this person was willing to set any goals with me. And by session Mm -hmm. seven, they were very willing. You know, we made a good list. Mm -hmm. They were interested in developing some coping skills, um, admitted they were having some suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I think somebody not really prepared for that kind of timeline and how it can look different for working with adults could be taken aback by that a little bit but just remember with kids things are going to happen every child develops at their own pace mm-hmm. and so information is going to come out in a different pace than it might with an adult and so you know some parents or teachers or anybody that's got a stake in that child being in counseling might say seven weeks in that's you know y'all have wasted two months doing nothing but it can take a really long time to build a rapport with a child to where they're willing to trust you with their mm-hmm. deeper secrets yes
1: and that gets back to the motivation. It's not necessarily even their motivation by which they're there. Mm-hmm. And so you're having to build rapport and, you know, um, make some connections. And, and then as time moves on, see what their motivation is or what it becomes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that's um, money and time well spent. I think it's both for the consumers so or the parent who's paying for that. It's money and time well spent, um, but students who are listening as well, you know, and just clinicians in general who may be listening, not putting pressure on ourselves really to go faster or somehow be smarter. This is smart and this is effective, efficient use of time um, is relationship. and I think, you know, Aaron, that's what you're talking about is just valuing that young person you know, want to build relationships so that you and they can really uh, find and explore what the challenges are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even know. So the finding of it, right, right is a very much a, a collaborative exploratory process.
2: Yes, and that's not to say that there are not briefer therapies that can be sure. used with kids. I mean, solution focused brief therapy works. Behavioral therapies can be a little bit quicker, depending on what the quote unquote problem is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've got a kid. Maybe this is just my own perspective or opinion, but if you've got a child who is willing to do a little bit more deeper work, whether or not they know that coming in, you can kind of tell when a child is reflective and, um, you know, has some thoughts about their purpose and their place in the world. Those children, to me, are the ones that are worth engaging in longer-term counseling and a longer-term relationship because they're going to take a little bit longer to open up. They've got big mm-hmm. thoughts about the world, and they don't necessarily know how to make sense of those yet. Mm-hmm.
1: I had a... Child just have finished up with him in my own practice, and it was great, uh, Bob. And it was great mm-hmm. because he actually got to this last session, and he said, "I really don't need to be here today." <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, "Hallelujah! I'm going to finish 30 minutes earlier." <laughs> <here in the laughs> <Bible." laughs> um, you know, because I'm a real person. Uh, and um, and his mom was there with him, and we kind of went through a couple of last you know little checkpoints, and she and I both had confidence that he you know and had trust in him to believe that. He knows it. He's in a good place. Yeah. And uh, and where we left off was, and back really more to your point there, Erin, is, you know, I just said to him, hey, call me back if and when you ever need me. And that's even in trusting a child. So it's, it's believing them. Hey, I believe you. I feel it myself. Your mom feels it. Yeah. And um, call me back. And then trusting them if and when they should ever need us. Or yes. Or come back and see us.
2: And I don't know mm-hmm. if this has been your experience, but there's been something really powerful for some of my clients about Um, Just I walk them to the front desk and I hand them a business card with our number on it, hand it to them instead of to their parent. And they just, for some reason, that makes a big difference to them that they can call if they need me, you know, maybe at the termination of a counseling relationship. Here's the number, you know, if you need us, give Mm -hmm. us a ring. Mm -hmm. And some of them look at parent like, should I be handing this to you? And I say, (laughs) put that in your cell phone. Yeah. You call us if you need us. Um, children know what they need. They know what they want. They just often need a space to be able to tell it. Mm. Well, Bob. Yes. That's good stuff, right there.
0: That really is. And just so with children, we know
2: it is. And uh, y'all
1: know I did what I said I was going to do. I googled. It's melon Camp When the walls oh, come tumbling yes. down. Y'all knew that. I guess I had to look it up.
2: We're going to have some outro music today. (laughs) That
1: would be pretty cool if we had the copywriter. I don't know how that works, but talk to our producer, Dr. Cazares, about that.
2: All the listeners out there, you can Google it and listen to it as we sign off. Very smart. Very smart.
1: This has been fun. I love, uh, Bob, we do it, right? We love talking to our friends. They're they're our friends. She's on my referral list, Bob. This is who, you know, Somebody that I'm uh, interested in and uh, Without uh, doubt. sharing. People need to know about Dr. Aaron Binkley. Oh, you're on mine too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Bob, this is fun. This is. I think, Aaron, is there anything else? I don't want to just close out and you not had a chance to say if there was something else there that you.
2: No, I mean, I guess I definitely underlined patience, but mm-hmm. I think I mentioned silliness as well. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to get silly with a child or adolescent. They're silly. So play is their world. You know, yeah. get down on the floor, play some games, uh, draw a picture together, whatever it takes to mm-hmm. build that rapport. Let them see you as real people who are interested in them as real people. Mm.
1: That's a good last word, Bob. It is. Bob, we did it. We've we done it again, it. I believe. We it again. Yeah. Y'all hard. always do. We try. We try <laughs> hard. So um, great being here with y'all again today. You know, we're always uh, loving on our faculty and our interviewees, but it's also a, just a nod to our program, uh, Wake Forest University Department of Counseling. And uh, if you're interested in uh, what you've heard today, you can find more about us on our website. and Give a look to our uh, master's programs in clinical mental health counseling and school counseling. Mm-hmm. All right, Bob. All right, you guys are fabulous. See you next time. <laughs>